This is the I Read Comic Books podcast, the best comic book podcast for regular comic book fans. I'm your host, Mike Rappin, and joining me this week, two girly pop robots who transform into guns and are both placed at the back of my head, Boondock Saint style, <laughs> Kara Shimborski. I can't believe you did an intergenerational reference that I only understand half of <laughs> to open the show. And Kate, and Kate Scotchless. <laughs> Hello! Um, I, listen, I'm trying to just bring in every listener possible, whether you're Gen X or Gen Alpha. If you're listening to this podcast, you're welcome. And you read comic books. I'm, I'm very proud of you. But, not um, the boomers. but before we get no. into the show today. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. Yeah, no boomers. I'm sorry. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> before we get into the show, though, today, I have two quick announcements. One, we're live on Discord. Did you know that we record every Sunday at 1 p.m. to talk comic books uh, you can join and listen live and harass us with gifts just like all of our friends do when they listen live um so make sure to check the link in the show notes for that and second earlier last week i dropped an episode on patreon that kate and kara re- recorded it's a very special archie halloween episode just in time for spooky season so if you need something to get you into the holiday spirit now that it is officially october go over to patreon.com slash ircb podcast and listen to that so um it's an amazing episode it's very very fun and i did not realize there were so many archie oriented comics um that's amazing so <laughs> before let's get into things let's talk about comic books i have two legally mandated questions and that is how have you been how have comic books been let's start with you kate i have been good it is finally officially october 1st as we're recording today uh so the best month of the year spooky season is fully fully upon us everything is wonderful the leaves are colored in colors it's sunny and gorgeous out it's fantastic i also managed to find the second to the last uh marvel series two lego minifigure that i needed yesterday to complete my set yeah uh i did spend too much money on it i was it was the moon knight in superhero form and i Mm. finally gave up finding it anywhere cheaper than my local bricks and minifig that was charging 15 freaking dollars for it because it's so hard to find and i was like whatever i surrender um <laughs> i was just laughing like that's a 15 that is one alcoholic beverage yeah <laughs> right 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 true. that like, is kate you know. maybe for folks at home that don't necessarily know what this is could you explain what these minifigs are and why you're in in desperate need for all of them okay so here's the thing folks if you don't if if comics is not enough of a money pit for you there's this thing <laughs> called lego <laughs> as in particular mm-hmm. minifig collecting um, that will just you just throw your money in and it disappears. It's fantastic. Um, like a boat. And every the nerd version of a boat. Yeah. Every every <laughs> couple months we get a new series of collectible minifigures and they and they're in series, right? So people want the complete set, or if you're me, you would just want the particular ones that you really like. And this one is mm-hmm. very exciting. It happens to be the second set of Marvel characters. So there's like She-Hulk and Kate Bishop and Hawkeye and Storm and Wolverine in their old 90s costumes and all sorts of cool stuff. You can find it on the LEGO website, but the thing with these series is LEGO wants not just some of your money, but all of it. So they sell them in what were blind bags, but they figured out that people could actually feel the bags to figure out which character's in there. So now they're blind boxes. Um, (laughs) And so it becomes... You you end and the the boxes are five dollars, right? Which is why it's ridiculous to spend fifteen on this guy. But the thing is, is how many more boxes would have I had to open to find the one that I needed versus getting more duplicates? Fifteen's right. um, a bargain at that point. Girl math. Yeah. 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 That's what I tell myself. See? <laughs> Girl math. Um, <laughs> 
Um, yes. I'm saving money by buying Moon Knight at $15 instead of spending right. plus $50 on blind boxes that may or may not have Moon Knight in them. I've seen some of the most ridiculous shenanigans. This is the first series they switched to the boxes, and I've seen people with like kitchen scales weighing each box to figure out which one's in there <laughs> no. because there's a thing online nice. that tells you the exact like weight of each character's box. Um, I've seen online someone who worked in like a private lab was using an x-ray machine to x-ray the <laughs> By far the most effective. You can definitely tell Don't what worry. they all were. Amazing. If you buy this Lego minifig, it comes with a little bit of radiation. So. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, and then uh, lots of people were doing the thing where they were just opening the boxes in the store, which... I'm assuming is why none of my local stores were selling them because there's not even like a placeholder spot where they like they were sold out. Mm -hmm. All my stores used to carry the bags and um, like Target, Meyer, Walmart. None of them have the boxes. So I'm guessing they were just like, screw it. We're we're over this much loss and theft because they're also very pocketable. Right. Like these little things Mm -hmm. and they're teenage uh, demographic. Yeah, it's just not not good for a lot of places. So. I'm envisioning yeah. a plexiglass locked box behind the counter, like cigarettes. But instead of cigarettes, it's like the Lego exactly. Mini thing it's just it's yeah. just Lego Limit crack three per customer. Yeah, it's Lego right, crack, right. which is what minifigures are basically. So I have like actual UV protective glass uh, display case that now has us on my wall <laughs> with all my most precious minifigures, um, and they're oh I love amazing. Them. Um, so not only did you spend something like $15 for the minifig, now you have like a special plexiglass shelf. To be fair, I had that before the Marvel series came out. Uh- <laughs> I love everything about this. Kate, you'll appreciate this. So uh, because I'm a teenager in my mid-30s, my mom sometimes sends me care packages. And she's gotten into the habit of sending me little like lego minifig packets with the, of the, the latest disney series and she sent me a few of them like mom this is so cute this is so sweet of you and she was mm-hmm. like yes but i bought the same ones for you last year i'm like no 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 mom that was a different series and uh-huh. the sound of crickets through the phone <laughs> was it jiminy cricket because he was in the most recent disney uh, minifigure one and i still need him <laughs> All right, all right. This is the point where I usually have to cut Nick off and say, all right, tell us about what comics you read. So I'm going to do that to you, Kate. Okay. Now, what okay. you <laughs> so I started my spooky comics reading uh, September 1st because I refuse to celebrate for only one month. Um, although it is better yes. in October now that we're actually getting like the leaves changing and stuff. Uh, but I was read this past week, The Dire Days of Willow Weep Manor, which is by Shannon K. Garrity and Christopher J. Baldwin. Um, it's a YA humor slash romance comic, like gothic romance, where it's about a teenager who's like obsessed with gothic romances and she accidentally gets swept up into a like pocket universe that is governed by the rules of gothic romances and she has to save it from this evil that is going to, you know, take it over and affect her world and stuff, right? So it's like a dork and stormy night and blah, blah, blah. And it has all the tropes. It's very funny. It's very over the top in the expressions and cartoonish way. It reminds me a lot of Nimona in that way of like the main character is just very similar to Nimona and just being super enthusiastic Mm -hmm. and bubbly, but also causing all sorts of problems. 
it's very atmospheric, very cute, not predictable at all, which I appreciate as YA is often extremely predictable. But I will yeah. say almost all of the humor is based on gothic romance tropes. So if you're not familiar, I think this just isn't the book for you. Like you go go gotcha. read yourself some Withering Heights and come back. <laughs> like <laughs> I added this to my library hold pile while you were talking. Everything about this sounds incredible. I think you will like Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I am pretty sure I'm going to like this. This sounds like like a isekai gothic romance style, right? Like I was reincarnated as a gothic romance heroine. <laughs> oh no, what do I do? Or something, whatever the title would be, because it's got to be, you know, 40 words or long or, or more. But this sounds really cute. I mean, just looking at it, it looks very fun. Like I, I feel like this would be a nice, perfect spooky time season read. So I'll have to um, probably get this, but to give it to Kelly, because I think she reads more of that stuff than I do. But uh, this looks really fun. How did you come across this, Kate? Honestly, this was just a scanning the shelves at my local library, and I saw the cover, and it looked spooky season-ish, and I picked nice. it up, and it was a win. Like, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes you pick up stuff randomly, and it's a dud, but like this one was a, a, definitely a solid read. I think uh, you guys would like it. How about you guys? What did you read? Well, I... I, I read two books. So I'm going to talk about two books. So I'm going to go through one first before I hand over to Kara. I sat down and read Immortal Thor. I guess I should preface with I haven't done any reading other than like these two comics, a ton of Transformers comics, because that's what we're talking about today. And I've just been spending every waking moment thinking and playing um, Baldur's Gate. Like my whole life is in turn based combat mode. So um, <laughs> I apologize um, if I haven't been active anywhere on the internet or <laughs> with this podcast. Um, I've either been playing Baldur's Gate, reading Transformers comics, or I guess spending way too much time automating my Google sheets that does all the scheduling for this show in a way so that now I just have to press a button to save me like 30 minutes every week. It's really, really fun. Oh, nice. um, but uh <laughs> I guess uh, I did read a book, which is Immortal Thor number one. Uh, this is written by Al Ewing, art by Martin Cuocolo, uh, colors by Matt Wilson, letters by Joe Sabino. And this is like the most Thor comic I've read in a very long time. Like it feels incredible. It feels like it's a brand new fresh start. It feels like these oldie style, like the text, the font that they use for Thor's language, like totally fits because everything feels like very like I am Thor and I am here to save ye from the mightiest of trolls. And it's like, that's kind of what Thor needs. I think there's been this hyper fixation on making Thor a real ass character. And Al Ewing seems to have just switched it, gone 180 and said, like, this needs to be high and mighty and lean into the hero's journey and do all of this stuff that is fantastical that makes Thor like godlike. Because the whole book seems to be about if you are the most powerful being in the world, who is more powerful than you? Because something exists beyond your realm. And I feel like the like Immortal Hulk, if you ever read that, there are machinations of like a huge story that Ewing is un unpacking here. I think going into this series, Ewing said, I want to do to Thor what I did with Hulk, which if that's the pitch you gave me, then you've sold me immediately. Yeah. I'm here from issue one until the very end. But I, I love this idea of Thor being immensely powerful as the Allfather, because in continuity, you know, Odin is dead and Thor is the all father and blah, blah, blah. And like in traditional Ewing fashion, you get all the continuity you need in the first dozen pages to get you up to speed naturally through the antics of the story in order to basically catch you up on what's going on and then introducing the new drama of the series, which is 
what lies beyond the Norse guys? What what lies beyond the the, the realms that Thor governs? Um, and who is more powerful than the Allfather? Um, I, I feel like this issue is to- written in like a really epic way that never got boring, despite there being a lot of writing in this. Like in comparison to say, say something like the Transformers comics, which have tons of writing, and I was like literally falling asleep reading them. This book has a ton of writing in it that is really interesting, really upbeat, and it's not even necessarily quippy so much as it's just fun. Like you can tell there's a lot of fun, and I think a lot of that goes to Quilclo's uh, art, who draws Thor as just this smiling god of thunder who just wants to help and beat down the enemies and save people and be this happy-go-lucky god which i i don't know i really appreciate it's like a kind of a what for me feels like a newer vibe for this character that we haven't seen in a minute i think other writers have taken this this uh type of take on on thor recently where he's just this happy-go-lucky kind of guy rather than this grim dark ragnarok is coming type of character that we saw from other writers and i don't know this book has really really good seeds i know issue one came out a little while ago i think issue two is even out but i finally sat down for for number one and i am hooked um unfortunately i i think i'm going to be canceling all of my digital subscriptions and only reading on marvel unlimited but that's a whole other conversation i'm gonna save for like two weeks from now when i've had some time to think on it because i've been talking about this a lot on discord and it's a whole other conversation to be had but immortal thor number or yeah immortal thor number one amazing really really recommend it if you're trying to get into thor right now this book rocks i think the last time i really read thor was when thor was a girl <laughs> Yeah, because, that's exactly oh, okay, last okay. time I read it. Yeah, I read it when Thor was not Thor, but Thor. And <laughs> so you're saying like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, yes, Thor, the mighty hero, so on and so forth. And honestly, aside from like the more mystical elements of what you were just describing, you could have been describing a Superman comic that decided to let Superman be Superman. Like, yeah, Superman is yeah. more powerful than everyone. And so what do you do with that kind of thing? And everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, he's a boring Boy Scout. And I'm like, Thor, but Thor's drunker. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the, the you know, I, I'm trying not to spoil the end of the first issue yeah, because yeah. I really like the idea that they played with. Um, at this, like, there's just a bigger thing that I think Ewing is trying to get at of like about power and dynamics and like the the origins of all things like there's this big epic thing at the center of this book that Mm -hmm. he lays seeds for that will definitely pay off over the next 60 issues that this book is going to run for if assuming that it will run well that's how (sighs) long uh immortal hulk ran for and i'll tell you reading that book from start to finish is like one of the most satisfying reads i've had in a really long time so it's like I, I like this idea of a singular long-term vision that one creator can deliver on or one writer can deliver on with a bunch of collaborators on art and stuff. And I think that's what's happening with Thor. And I really like how this first issue laid things out. And I'm very excited to read number two. So right. um, Karen, fine. let's let's jump over to you. How have you been? What have you been reading? All that stuff. How have I been? How have comic books been? Um, well, Mike, much like Kate, I am fully immersed in spooky season already i got some really cute creepy looking owl candlesticks to help like do a subtle decor moment in my in my apartment um i just remembered that i bought a packet of like paper crows that i can like paste all over my windows so i'll probably do that after we record uh just like totally living for it immersing myself in the sonic masterpiece of a landscape that is the special edition uh nightmare before christmas soundtrack featuring an intro Mm -hmm. and an outro by sir patrick stewart 
which I highly recommend. <laughs> you can just listen to the whole thing as if you're listening to a beautiful musical and you don't even have to watch the movie. I would argue that hmm. this particular version of the score is better than the movie. So, <gasps> wow. gasp, I know, controversial opinion, unless you talk to a musician. <laughs> well, Kara, I, I, I am wondering, as you're preparing yourself or getting fully immersed in the spooky season, have hmm. you visited or planned to purchase Lewis from Target? Have you have you seen this giant jack-o'-lantern looking guy named Lewis that exists? I am unfamiliar. Is this like the 12 foot Home Depot skeleton that I wanted to buy for my apartment before I realized I had no place to store him? (laughs) It is in the same vein in that he is a very tall, I think like seven or eight feet tall jack-o'-lantern headed skeleton man Hmm. Um, and you walk up to him and he laughs and he says, I am not a jack-o'-lantern. I am Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> and he just, that's like the whole thing. It's oh. the most absurd thing that I've ever heard of in my life. And I'm like, who out there is taking risks on these Halloween de- decorations and then completely nailing it every single year? Because this is the kind of thing where I'm like, that's so weird. I want to buy one. <laughs> that Well, because that's the whole David Pumpkin thing. Like you said, yes. oh, like SNL, it's, it's David Pumpkins. Any questions? Just the season. <laughs> Go Google this, guys, if you haven't, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you haven't oh. seen David Pumpkins. It's like the first time I saw it, I was like, what am I watching? And now I'm like, any questions? Anyway, <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, if you get a chance to go to Target and your local Target has one of these, press the button and have a, the greatest time of your life or look <laughs> on YouTube or TikTok or whatever. It's out there. It's it's very, very fun. I mean, my big my big Halloween thing is um, I went to Disney World last weekend specifically mm. to attend the Halloween party. So jealous. Uh, oh, I made the best adult decisions. I was like, hmm, slightly over budget. But you know what? Who cares? Let's go. So... Uh, I had a lovely time. I got to see the Sanderson sisters from Hocus Pocus do a stage show. I got to see the headless horseman himself open the parade on a horse, followed by a a cast member with a wheelbarrow to pick up any poo that might have dropped on the parade route Mm -hmm. so that the dancers (laughs) could come in behind. It's a well-oiled machine over there at Disney World, okay? Uh It was delightful. I got to wear all my Hocus Pocus like spirit jerseys and Mickey ears and... I ate something called um, a bowl of bones for dinner. That was like, jal- it was like okay. jal- jalapeno Coca Cola barbecue sauce pork ribs, and like that was it. It was just it was so good. I, I want to make this now at home. I, that's that's. I had a a peanut butter chocolate pie that took me a whole week to eat because it was so rich and dense. I could only manage like a bite a day. Oh, sure. Like. Oh, beautiful. But yeah, so it's like now Halloween, now we're really in spooky season. So I can get into like some Halloween comics and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I, I talked about this last year, but I got uh, the c- graphic novel squad out from the library again. So <gasps> I can do. read about nice. Mean Girl Werewolves. Yes. <laughs> I have not read it yet, but yes, I am uh, really excited for it. Oh, yeah. Everyone go read Squad. I didn't add this in the notes, but go read Squad. <laughs> yeah, I have a copy on my shelf. Maybe this year I'll actually I'll actually read it. Do it. Squad Book Club. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, living my best life. But, uh, you know, concurrently with all this spooky season stuff and also with my Disney trip, uh, fully immersed in the toxic swamp that is Star Wars. <laughs> 
I am in the Dagobah of the Star Wars fandom as I live my life weekly for Ahsoka. By the time this episode airs, we will have had the season finale of Ahsoka. So as you listen to this, just imagine me lying down on the floor of my apartment because I cannot. (laughs) Because whatever happens, (laughs) I cannot. Um, I spent... I, I rewatched uh, the first five seasons of Star Wars Clone Wars to get ready for it. I wa- rewatched all of Star Wars Rebels. And then while I'm rewatching Rebels and realizing how great it is, like I was watching it as it was coming out episode by episode, uh, but hadn't sat down and like binge watched it. And binge watching it is where it's at. It's so good. I am like mad at how good it is. And then mm-hmm. while I was watching it, I was like, this is not enough to feed my fix. Like Star Wars has me by the throat. I need more. And then I remember that they had a comic book series that was published like halfway through Rebels being on air called Kane and the Last Padawan. And then I found out it's almost impossible to get out of print and my library didn't have it. And then I saw it was Marvel Unlimited. So I was like, Mike, can I have your login, please? I just need to read this. We don't share logins. It doesn't exist. We don't do that. (laughs) We never. Okay, better sharing a login than stealing it from a torrent website or something or whatever the kids do. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in the second half. We are going to talk about that. But um, so Kane and the Last Padawan is like the prequel slash backstory to uh, Kane and Jarrus, who is the jedi figure in the star wars rebels tv show i do think if you haven't seen rebels you can still read kanan and like understand what's going on because like there's some framing device that's like oh here's the crew on the rebel show and they're all hanging out and they're on a mission but like the bulk of the story is the flashbacks to kanan being a a depa balaba's padawan like when order 66 is enacted so it's like if you're a star wars fan that like loosely knows the chronology of the prequels i'm pretty pretty confident that you can jump in and just follow the story of this teenager who is like spent his whole life in this cult and now is cast totally adrift and has no means of survival so it's like what does he do next and it includes like him changing his name and stuff like that and if you are a fan of the show i do think it gives you a richer uh satisfaction of some of the reveals that come later in the season like they do a little like ah yes like vague references to his past where if you read the comic you're like i know the thing you're talking about (laughs) i've read the book i did my homework do you love me yet (laughs) so it's just like (laughs) love me disney (laughs) love me disney um but then you know as a comic book um like most star wars comics besides vader down and dr afra this is fine it's fine it's fine star wars comics mm-hmm. are fine <laughs> yeah they're totally serviceable yeah, I, comics <laughs> really really quick okay so i i think i read this series i think at some point for the show i read this and i really really enjoyed it remind me i just need to hear you say one more time who was his 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 jedi master depa balaba okay thank you i just I wanted to make know sure that, that it... because they've said it on the show since <laughs> and so i was like oh that's how you say her name i mean I knew her name since I was 10 years old because she's Mm -hmm. one of the characters who has a photo as a Jedi master in the Star Wars episode one, the Phantom Menace, like visual dictionary from DK publishing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I knew all those bitches. So like (laughs) actually finding out how to pronounce her name was a treat though. So thanks. Yes. Yes. Well, let me talk about one more book before we get into the top of our pile. I read 
Ultimate Invasion number four. Um, speaking, you know, I was talking about how I'm canceling all my digital subscriptions. I think this might have been the final straw for me. Uh, this is Jonathan Hickman, Brian Hitch on art, uh, inks by Andrew Curry, colors by Alex Sinclair, letters by Joe Caramagna. Um, this is it. This is the end. Uh, it was a $9 comic book for 64 pages, and I ate it up. And in quote, in a quote, I wrote here, they can't keep getting away from this. I say crying as I pay for the cost of this issue Mm -hmm. digitally. Right. Mm. Um, Admittedly, though, this is the last issue of a four issue series that I was very hyped for, not only because I love Brian Hitch when he did the Ultimates with Mark Millar back in the day, but also Jonathan Hickman's take on the Ultimate Universe has always been a really interesting one. So I was reading this book trying to see what kind of insanity he was going to pull with his character that he's basically taken into ownership, the maker, a.k.a evil reed richards which is a very fun idea right this idea of the children of the vault where he creates these little time bubbles where he advances civilization over one instead of one month like a thousand years pass and you know all sorts of crazy innovations and stuff happen it's a really fun idea to play with especially for a super villain that strangely almost feels like a counter to another avengers villain that i'm not going to name um just because it may or may not be related to this story in general but uh if you can figure it out maybe you've read this issue but anyway so i think this issue ends in a very perfect chaotic mess like it's poetic in the way that it keeps putting mystery boxes inside of mystery boxes inside of mystery boxes for eventual hatchings of what will become the soon to be new ultimate universe which is very strange thinking about the idea of the ultimate universe as a line where we get this miles morales character his big moment in secret wars that hickman also wrote was him saying goodbye to his entire universe his friends his family his everyone in order to jump over to the 616 um which is a crazy thing for me so i'm really curious to see how miles is going to react to something like this if it's even going to affect him at all because i think the ultimate comics in title is not going to even be remotely related to the ultimate universe as it was um they're just taking this idea grabbing nostalgia from a decade and a half ago and they're bringing it back into continuity because that's what marvel loves to do that's where we are regardless um i like the way that hickman has set up this entire world like the crux of this series of evil reed richard saying god damn you if you superheroes aren't going to let me take over the world i'm going to destroy timelines in order to make my perfect world which is a really my spoilers i guess a little bit for this series but reed richards like travels to other universes goes back in time and prevents the creation of some superheroes it's an awesome concept you got to read the book to really experience the whole full-fledged bit of that but yeah I'm, i'm trying to intentionally be vague and not talk about all of the bits and pieces that make this book really, really work because they're all massive spoilers. On one hand, though, like I can't be mad at this series because it was just a miniseries leading up to what will eventually be like a half dozen comic books spinning out, right? This is then alpha to whatever Ultimate Universe is going to be that will likely have an Omega miniseries that wraps it up, maybe. Assuming they're treating this entire line as an event. At this point, I'm assuming that's what Marvel's doing to everything, and they're going to charge us $9 to $15 a single issue because of it and say 44 pages. Isn't it worth it? Um, And then we're going to... Let's let's not even get into the logistics of, like, is that money trickling down to the creators? Are you getting higher paid rates because of this? No, it's not. I guarantee you that's not what's happening. Anyways, on the other hand, uh, the amount of questions I had in this final issue alone made me think that my digital copy had some missing pages in it. 
And uh, I, I feel like these are both two angry things. I, I did like this series, but this first, this last issue was so confusing in some of the implied things or things that were intentionally not said to leave a lot of mystery that it was almost frustrating. And I went, oh, okay, I guess that's just how this comic book is going to end because the final three pages were some of the like, oh, 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 cool moments that you love to get out of big, dumb superhero comic books. Um, and so overall, this four issue series has been fun because I like some of the, a lot of the concepts that that Hickman has introduced. Hitch is basically knocking out of the park, doing big, dumb superhero comics the way that he loves to do them. Everybody looks the same. All the costumes look identical, but like that's kind of the fun of it. I love this Illuminati that Hickman invented for this series that changes kind of the power dynamics of the entire Marvel universe in this ultimate universe. And I just love big, con- dumb conspiracy things. And I think Hickman's done this great. Bendis did this back in the day with his Illuminati book and it feels like hickman is laying some seeds here to try to say hey you guys could run with this and it could be a really cool like it's similar to the quiet council or immortal x-men book that kieran gillen is doing for the x-men you could have this higher upper echelon ten thousand foot high power system as people are playing chess with each other across the globe um the ending piece of this book asking this big question of who's going to take over this big swath of land that no longer has an Illuminati representative was kind of a really cool ending. And yeah, I don't know. I I just like this, but I really feel like I'm getting hamstrung by all of the prices of these books. I think for this miniseries alone, I spent $45 for four issues. I think that's the total here. That's crazy because I guarantee you when the trade comes out, it's going to be 25. Mm -hmm. So like, why didn't I just wait? Or why didn't I just wait for this all to come to MU and just read it there? We're going to talk about that in the post credits of this episode but i just want to throw it out there for people look at the price of those covers when you're buying them because it's getting crazy out there for marvel inflation is crazy can i say something <sighs> is though, it inflation like, i don't know i know that's no, beyond it's, it's even companies. what inflation is right now yeah yeah it's companies taking advantage of inflation danny's saying in the chat it's fomo it's crazy but yeah sorry go ahead kara no no um i just have a different thought and it's super petty of me but um You know how usually when I am a creator hater, I have a good reason and I can explain myself and my reasons are good. Mm -hmm. I'm a Hickman hater and I don't have a good reason. Like I was listening (laughs) to last, I was listening to last week's episode and like the first thing uh, special guest Kev said was my favorite writer is Jonathan Hickman. And I was in my car and I just burst out laughing. Cause I was like, I can take nothing no. you say seriously. Like with Jonathan Kev, Hickman. No, no, Kev's Why? amazing. No, no, Why? he's amazing. No, no. <laughs> Why? no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not hating on Kev. I'm hating on Hickman because like, I cannot think of a single book where we, you say Jonathan Hickman. I cannot think of a single book that I can associate with him directly. I guess it's just Marvel events, Marvel stuff, like Marvel main character, main arc stuff that I never really read. Am I just a hater because I think he's just so boring? Or I know we talked about him before and it's like he's, yeah. I think I described him as like a workhorse writer. Like he's doing the thing, he's making the plots. Maybe they're a little intricate, not as intricate and weird as Grant Morrison, but like, yeah, sure. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm like mad that I think he's mediocre and like get so many books so like who is this dude who just keeps uh, writing everything like who cares and i'm just irrational Kara, about it i think change my mind is, no <laughs> you know i think that this is this is a perfect situation for us to say all right let's find definitive reading list for Kara. that's not like you got to read 60 issues of this we're talking we got to get the fine 
greatest best stuff and put it in in front of Kara and say, okay, this is a good judgment of this guy. Because I think like he did a fantastic forerun that everybody loves. I haven't read it, but I've heard very good things about it. Um, I personally love his Secret Warriors book. It's like a 30 issue long series that's just like it's wheels within wheels, conspiracies within conspiracies. And like, that's really fun. And that's kind of his shtick. Everything is like a plot inside of a plot inside of a plot. Um, mystery boxes inside of mystery boxes inside of mystery boxes. But that being said, that does not necessarily mean that he is a great writer from someone who doesn't just like immediately have love for him like you care. So be interesting to see if we could come up with a list, folks. If you're if you're listening, ircbpodcast at gmail.com. We're jumping to the Discord. Let's figure this out so that next time Kara's on, we can present her with this nice table or tablet of of reading so that she can uh sit down and do it but that's that's very interesting they say all that though yeah i'm totally willing to have my mind changed i'm just telling you right now i'm a hickman mm-hmm. hater mm-hmm. and i would like reasons why i shouldn't be <laughs> <laughs> well i'm gonna think on this and um while we jump into the top of our pile picks so as you know, we do this thing where we talk about comics every week, specifically books that we're looking forward to read, whether they're new, they're old, or they're just a book you're trying to get off your shelf finally. Um, before we jump into what we're reading, let me talk, shout out some folks that are hanging out with us on Discord. Uh, this week, Hannah is reading Green Arrow, The Longbow Hunters. I want to say happy birthday to Hannah. Their birthday was very recently. Uh, Paul G is reading The Eternal Mountain by Joe Latham. Danny is reading The Devil That Wears My Face, number one. And Hugh is reading... The brand new Transformers number one, which we're going to maybe be talking a little bit about in a moment. But um, let's let's pop back over to UK. What's on the top of your pile this week? I am excited for Hollow. Um, this is by written by Shannon Waters of Lumberjanes fame and Brandon Boyer White, who I don't know. And art is by okay. Bernice Nell. It's a YA like coming of age, of course, tale and homage slash spinoff of the classic Legend of Sleepy Hollow, right? So Izzy mm-hmm. Crane and her family have just moved to Sleepy Hollow. And just like the you'd think everything's uh, about the Washington Irving's Legend of Sleeping Hollow, Headless Horseman stuff. But she's a skeptic and she's like, I'm too smart for this. I don't believe it. And ghost stories aren't real. Uh, but then she gets in with a boy and things turn Uh-oh. start happening and it looks like the perfect spooky season read. I am very excited. I'm so glad my library got this and I managed to swipe it before the little children get their sticky little fingers on it. Uh, it's like a paperback <laughs> with a perfectly uncreased spine. So I do think I'm the first one, which I always love. <laughs> Um, <laughs> if Kate was a Disney goer, Kate would be the hated millennial trash Disney goer who takes away beautiful magical moments from the children because she's excited to <laughs> You're get getting your first. fingers on it. Get away from it, boy. <laughs> get away from Mickey I, Mouse. Mickey Mouse isn't for you. He's for me. <laughs> I, if I were a Disney goer, uh, I would definitely be the person who purposely goes to like the evening stuff to avoid both the heat and the small children. Mm. um because yeah <laughs> come but with me to the halloween party kate we'll have fun i want to so badly kara i've watched that parade on tiktok lives like three times in a row now like i'm so <laughs> jealous that you got to go but there's just no way with the the current state of the world is like the entire country is like screw anyone immune compromised we're done with masking mm. and mm. precautions mm-hmm. and so there's just no way i can safely do any of that with how all my immunosuppressants and stuff so it's just frustrating uh but you know someday someday we'll get better treatments and then the the 
the thing that used to give folks like me that was like the monoclonal antibody shots um, is in the new version that should work with the current variants is in like the end stage human trials. So fingers crossed we get that before the holiday surge. Um, yes. Huge. But anyway, crossed. anyway, spooky season. I do have like 20 books out from the library right now that are all spooky season comics. I have. Yeah. I'd expect like, no less. Three different Sabrina comics. Um, the all the Archie horror things like the Jughead ones and the. um nice. Oh, the sorcery one, Kara. What's that one called? The Adventures in Sorcery, I think. And uh, Squad like and a couple others. Just like I went whole hog requesting stuff like two weeks ago <laughs> um, to get myself ready because <sighs> best time of the year, folks. Best time Wait, of the year. Uh, are all the Sabrina books you got the chilling adventures of or by some miracle does your library still have copies of the Sabrina manga from the early 2000s? It is not the manga. So I have the chilling adventures of and then there's two that are like, mm, they're a weird size comic and they're not chilling adventures, but they're Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but they're not manga. I, mm. I'll have to send you a picture. I don't I've. I didn't know what they were. They showed up when I uh, searched Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and I went, yes, please. Click. Just like click, many click, Archie I don't comics. Care what yeah, this is. It's all a mystery. What's inside yeah. the cover? <laughs> Who knows? Let's find out. Yep. <laughs> well, let me talk about a book really quick that I'm excited for this week, uh, because I'm not picking Transformers number one, because maybe someone else picked it. Um, but uh, this is a spooky season book. I think it works. It's a number one. Uh, Abbott 1979 number one. This is by Saladin Ahmed with art by Sammy Cavella. I mean, this series is just plain fun. If you haven't read any of the Abbott books, you should go back and read Abbott, the first volume, Abbott 1978 or maybe it was 1976, I can't remember. Um, and then this new series uh, is out. The story is uh, there's this woman who lives in Detroit. Uh, she works for a, she's a, she's a journalist. She works for um, like a black owned um, publication house. And so she spends her time researching um, different murders and investigations in the city of Detroit. Um, and at the same time, she ends up in this mysterious Mo or she ends up in this mysterious point in her life where she's trying to solve the murderer of her ex of her husband who died turns out magic is involved this thing called the umbra is a thing and it turns out a bunch of racist white dudes want to kill all the black people in detroit and she's like i'm not standing for that and uh yeah the story unfolds in, in quite a couple different ways with this umbra and all this magic that's going on and saladin ahmed is is wrapping up this abbott series with this final six issue run with sammy cavilla um where basically we're coming close to the Reagan administration taking power and Abbott basically is not going to be standing for any of that bullshit. Um, and I'm very excited to see what Ahmed does with this wrap up series. Um, that's going to hopefully, hopefully end in some sort of happy note for, for Abbott. Things have been pretty tough for her as the series has gone on. Um, but yeah, I simply can't wait for this series to be collected into one like badass 70s styled hardcover or something. So I'm begging Boom to please like do right by this series. Like I'll go and I'll pay for it on Kickstarter as long as you promise to get the like cover everything set up right correctly. I'll I'll be happy. Um, but yeah, I really dig this book. And uh, I think everybody out there should go read Abbott because it's, it's nice and spooky. It's got some really fun twists and I think it's really well written. Sammy Cavella's art is amazing from beginning to end. Like all of the magical stuff that that he does in this book is is beautiful. Um, and the work that they do with color is phenomenal, like really leaning into that 70s aesthetic with color and style and just like the dress that everybody's wearing. It's a really, really cool, like retro book. And yeah, so get, go out there and read Abbott if you want something that's a little bit more on the spookier side than the fun side, I think. 
No, it does sound cool. And I think I've seen the volume one at my library. So I think I am going to try and check this out next time I'm there returning books. Yeah, it's. I think the volume one cover is like Abbott sitting on her her really awesome car smoking mm-hmm. a cigarette. Yep. It's like the coolest cover you've ever seen. Um, anyways, Abbott's just a badass character. Just, I just love her. Um, but anyway, I also want to say if anyone out there is buying God's number one digitally, please let me know how it feels to be robbed at gunpoint with a toy <laughs> pistol because I'm just curious. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, with that, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna be talking about comic books you can't find anywhere. Transformers comics. We'll be back in just a second. For our show this week, we are talking about Transformers comics because this is part two of two of our Transformers conversation leading up to the brand new Transformers number one that is coming out this week. I didn't call on Kara in the first half because we're talking about Transformers comics. So Kara, why don't you tell us what book you're excited for this week and tell us a little bit about your own personal journey with Transformers to get us started in this conversation today. Thanks, Mike. I'm so happy to be here because I think I am the biggest Transformers fan on this podcast. I was very butthurt that I wasn't invited to be on the movie episode, but you know what? I don't I don't actually need to watch the movies. I just want to talk about the comic books. Well, well, so here's t- the thing. I, I had to bring Danny on because Danny was like clamoring for it. And Brian, sure. I had to put him through some sort of torture. And I knew <laughs> that making him watch all the Transformers movie that was the torture. right kind of torture just in time for his birthday. So, you know, like all these things lined up perfectly. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm very, so, I'm very excited to have you here this week for this episode. Thank you, Mike. So the book that I that we are all excited about this week mm-hmm. is Transformers number one from Skybound. Uh, this is the first issue of a new era of Transformers because the Transformers had a <laughs> very robust run over at IDW and now they're at a different publisher. So mm-hmm. we took this opportunity to uh, dive into some Transformers back matter while getting excited for the new book from the new publisher where none of the back matter is going to matter at all. <laughs> Uh, unless you're a Transformers fan and you're just like, if it has a robot in it, I'm reading it. So, (laughs) you know. Um, Those mecha fans go hard. They go very hard. You know what? And this book, this new Transformers number one issue, I realized this is the first time in years I will be going to a comic book store like planned on a release day to get a book, like a floppy. Mm -hmm. Because in my... In my 30s, I have become a trade waiter or uh, maybe the library will get it Mm -hmm. reader. But for Transformers Mm -hmm. number one, I'm just like, give me this book. Like, I don't have it on a pull list or anything. But like, you know, hopefully one of the local shops will have it. And, you know, I'll be walking in and just hopefully getting it. Um, So my uh, personal journey with Transformers began with the 2007 Michael Bay film, which you uh, discussed at length in last week's episode. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say the film is good, but the <laughs> <laughs> but the, <laughs> the number the, one fan, Kara Shamborsky. <laughs> well, it's like you know, like so many of the films that I like, I'm like, this is not good. I cannot recommend this. Like, I just watched seven seasons of Riverdale. The, I mm. cannot recommend that you watch that show. But like, look, it completely arrested my imagination, and Transformers took over my life my freshman and sophomore year of college. Like, okay. that was it. Was like 
my first time living away from home, totally new environment. I was like SpongeBob SquarePants. I was like flipping burgers at the dining hall, making minimum mm -hmm. wage. And instead of like saving that like an adult, I was still an overgrown child and took my savings directly to Walmart to buy Transformers toys to feed my new obsession found by the film and predominantly fueled by the fan fiction and the Transformers fan fiction community is so good y'all like when I was getting into Transformers like the movie just like reignited everyone's passion for this intellectual property and I just read I learned so much about the Transformers particularly Generation 1 through the Transformers Generation 1 fanfic writers I learned all about all the characters through this lens. I learned like who was definitely soulmates with who based on this lens. Um, I have so many like just like lovely, lovely memories of like reading about, you know, the bots hanging out on the arc. Like we're not really talking about the fighting. They're just like getting drunk on Energon and hanging out mm -hmm. and maybe making mm -hmm. out in the corner. It's fine. So like, you know, I'm listening to the... Uh, listening to the the show that you guys did uh, last week talking about the Transformers movies. And I was just like, this is so adult. These guys are just like talking about the movies and like their merits and their demerits. And like, it's so professional. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Kate and I are going to come in and like make it gayer, bro. Because do you <laughs> even know how gay the Transformers are? I'm so, I mean, I love them so much. And being part of like the like the fan works around the Transformers just highlighted my appreciation for them in their actual properties so much more. And so by the time I saw the second Transformers movie, I was so disappointed because um, like the opening of the second Transformers movie is those like super racist twin Autobots. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you mean you made very bad original characters for this movie when Lamborghini twins Sideswipe and Sunstreaker were right there for you to use. You already <laughs> had good characters. Why are you making new shitty ones? And uh -huh. at that point, I was just like, nah, not the movies, not the movies. I'm here for the comics and the fan fiction. The end. Thank you. Well, I, I feel like the the fuel for, for the fan fiction that existed for this was powered by the more than meets the eye comic book series that came out from idw right yeah. because the comic book series more than meets the eye which by the way impossible to find on the internet you cannot get this legally today um and you're lucky if your comic book shop or local library has a copy because i feel like idw scraped every possible endpoint in the world to try to pull everything back um but that series is a very I feel like it's a very emotional journey for a lot of the Transformers characters where they aren't just transforming and fighting other robots. They're doing a lot of introspecting and discussion about like what it means to be a Transformer, why it's important for them to like celebrate their history and fix Cybertron. And there's like this splitting of factions. There's this group that travels on an arc. There's a group that stays back at Cybertron, which is followed in a different series. And so I think John Barber, who was working on that book, or maybe it was James Roberts, like explored the the like, I think, like relationship dynamics between these characters that end up going on this arc to find these Knights of Cybertron in order to try to save everything. In my mind, I feel like that's where the fan fiction comes from, but I might have the no. timelines lined up wrong on that. OK, no. OK. Um, if anything, more than meets the eye, I think might have been fueled by some stuff that the fanfic writers were doing, because 
Sure. Transformers fan fiction writers have been going for a while. Like by the time I started reading Transformers fan fiction back in 2007, there were thousands of stories for like G1, G2, Beast Wars, the movie. Like if there was a Transformers okay. show, there were already like robust fan fiction uh repositories and communities out there like we're talking 2007 i was on live journal this is pre-archive mm-hmm. of our own i was mm-hmm. uh, oh boy That's the live journal 2007 as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um reading my favorite ship uh was jazz and prowl and the community i most uh frequented was called a love in black and white <laughs> which i now which i now see as very problematic because jazz is often coded as black and prowl is mm. a cop so there's some layers there that perhaps in My 2003 Lord. we'd want to unpack but at the time i was just like this sexy spy saboteur and the like upright like rule follower are like vibing off in the corner of course like this is fine <laughs> Um, But I digress. Yes. So More Than Meets the Eye is definitely the most like fan fiction-y Transformers comic book that I think is out there in terms of like a lot of the fan fiction that I was reading was very like, we're not focused on the big fights. We're not really focused on the politics. We're mostly focused on like, oh, like what are these bots doing while they're not fighting the Decepticons? Are they falling Mm -hmm. in love? So More Than Meets (laughs) the Eye. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> more than meets the eye is kind of that i kind of loved it for that see see that's what i'm saying so that's why I'm, more than meets the eye is probably the closest to the canon gets to the attitude of a lot of the fan fiction and i think that for okay. people who were already engaging with fandoms through the lenses of fan fiction or fan art and fan works in general more than meets the eye was a very appealing comic because it spoke to that sensibility that was already there totally totally which is so I think this is where my confusion comes in, right? So I definitely I got the timelines wrong. So my bad about that. I think when I came into more than meets the eye, I guess it was introduced to me from folks at Comicsology, right? At the time who were very much like in the fandom of like, there is so much more going on here in the comics that are not, it's not being written. And I was like, really? You can read all that? And I think that they were being fueled by fan fiction that they were either reading or writing no. or maybe both. Um, but I think it's still there. Like in the text, it's a lot of there. the like, like there, there's a lot of stuff, especially Prowl as a character is is written in such a way in that book where you're like, is this sexual or is this just like tension for tension's sake? Like, no, no, I can't Prowl's really tell what's going hot. on. I want to clarify right. that Prowl is super hot. <laughs> Kara, he's a robot. Okay. Anyway, he's a non-biological, non-biological extraterrestrial, guys. Didn't you see the first movie? <laughs> okay. Um, so like, for today's episode, Mike. we read a bunch of comics that I, we need to get to. Please, Kara, please. <laughs> I'll let you get to the comics. My, I was actually building off what you were saying about more than meets the eye. Um, my first note about that in my show notes was, I cannot begin to describe the chokehold this book had on the team at Comicsology <laughs> when it was being released. Like, yes. I definitely yes. started reading this book because of uh, a lot of my, my colleagues in Comicsology at the time who were also reading it and hyping it up. And we got mm-hmm. to a point on the floor where I was working on where like all of my like college era 
uh, purchasing habits for Transformers got amplified because everyone was suddenly purchasing Transformers. So it was just like you looked across the open workspace and there were like literal plastic armies of Mm -hmm. bots on everyone's desk. (laughs) It was possibly the most wholesome thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Just loved it so much. the book club that I ran at one point, I, I offered up and I said, hey, we'll read Transformers like no one else is really throwing out ideas. And it brought at least like a half dozen, if not more people to the club just so that they could literally just go over all of the relationship dynamics in the characters and say, I know you only read volume one, but if you keep reading, these types of things happen. And it convinced me to read at least, I think I read five volumes of More Than Meets the Eye, and I only stopped because I kept getting lost as to what I had to read next, which is a whole other conversation. But speaking of More Than Meets the Eye, the the series that IDW published, Kara, you and I reread volume one for today's um, conversation, um, as well as we read a bunch of other comic books. So maybe we should start just going through maybe what we read, what our initial thoughts are. Kate, I guess I want to kick over to you really quick to say, what's your experience with Transformers? And what was it like diving headfirst into this extremely dark and deep pool of robots in disguise? So here's the thing. My parents oh, no. <laughs> are 80s parents who fully bought hook line, into, hook, line, and sinker into the 80s propaganda that if you let your kids watch violent things like the Transformer cartoon, they will become violent little monsters and end up in juvie. Uh, so I was not allowed to watch the show, but I did play with some of the toys. So that was my first exposure until the movie started coming out. And then mm-hmm. I... I do have a thing. I do enjoy giant robots punching each other on screens, whether they're um, like the oh, what was the the Pacific Rim or Transformers, or whatever. Like the Transformer movies aren't good in the sense that their plot is stupid and the dialogue's bad. But in terms <laughs> yeah, of yeah. giant robots punching each other for two hours and doing really cool transformations, they're amazing. Uh, at least the few that I saw. I did not keep going Hell with yeah. them. As I mean, they're. There's an alarming number of them now. I just I really didn't realize until that episode last week yeah. how many there actually are. Um, so I had never read any of the stuff until uh, like two weeks ago when I started my reading for this. And mm-hmm. Kara suggested I check out More Than Meets the Eye Volume 1. And it turns out if I wanted to read this, uh, short of torrenting it, the only way that I could access it was by buying a $50 used paperback. Because it's out of print, no libraries mm-hmm. in the state of Michigan have it because we have an interlibrary loan system, right? Like you can check everywhere mm-hmm. and they'll just ship it to you. None of them have it. You can't buy it digitally. Like it's just gone unless you're willing to fork over for not even a good condition paperback. I'm just like, absolutely <laughs> not. So yeah. I requested a bunch of books from the library. They're all volume ones and stuff came. And then I was like, okay, here's what I have available. What should I read you guys? So the first one I read was Transformers Dark of the Moon Volume 1. <laughs> you skip it. Like <laughs> it's, it's it's the okay. turns out the movie adaptation comic. Uh, nice. by John oh, Barber and yeah. Jorge Jimenez Moreno. Um it's it's as dumb as the movie, but nice. <laughs> but there's no giant robots punching each other on a movie screen with cool sound effects. So like the good part's gone. <laughs> But then I read some other good stuff. So I read Transformers Lost Light, Volume 1, written by James Roberts, with art by Jack Lawrence, colors by Joanna LaFouette, and John Paul Bove, and letters by Tom B. Long. So this was the first one I read. 
I was so lost the entire first half of this. Uh, so first three issues, because sure. it very much like it reminds me. So I didn't realize from the movies how many Transformers there actually are different characters, so right? Many. Because they There's scale so it way so back in the movies. And yeah. it reminded me of jumping into like a large cast X-Men book right after a major event that shook up the continuity and timeline, because the first I mean, few <laughs> issues of Lost Light are all them both explaining what happened in More Than Meets the Eye end of that series, but also why it's different now, because they all got, you know, swooped up by the Necrobot and put in a different universe with a different time continuity. So now so-and-so is alive and such and such is happening. And no one told me that Transformers comics are all like politics and religion. Yes. Um, so that was a <laughs> <Sorry>. shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> it's all politics baby Apolo yeah, yeah. yeah and and getting really into the whole like religion jesus-y stuff of like the functionist versus the yeah okay so that was a weird but a fun ride and then towards the end i start last three issues i'm like now i'm getting who the characters are and can tell them apart a bit more and then there's some big twists that I don't want to spoil for folks who might want to check out this series. But I was like, mind blown. Who knew you could do this in a robot book? It's savage. heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it's just also just very weird. Like, uh, I shared a, a screenshot with our IRCB group chat where it's like, I'm telling you, uh, uh, Brainstorm, he's the size of 50 Titans. He's bloody hell. He just punched the moon. <laughs> and the response, how is that even possible? <laughs> and, it, it like, and then the end solution for the, this problem moon is that they have to teleport it inside of the planet. Amazing. <laughs> like, peak Why ridiculous. not? There's your, there's your dumb robot book right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say the thing that didn't translate well from the movies is the action aspect. Um, I think you do lose some some of the fun of the both the transformations, like the dynamic transformations and the fighting when you go to like static images on a page. Even with great art, there's something about the giant movie screen with the giant robots doing the stuff and the like booming uh, base that goes with their transformations, you know, like every time. Yeah. Uh, that's extra special. Um, so I also read the other main book I read was uh, The Transformers Robots in Disguise, Volume One, which is mm -hmm. John Barber, art by Andrew Griffith and Cassie Collar, uh, colors by Josh Perez, letters by Sean Lee. And it was my favorite of the four, but that is very likely because I finally understood who people were by that point. Like, I don't know that it's sure. necessarily a fair comparison. Um, in this one, there's Transformers blood. Please explain, Kara. Oh, uh, that's probably that they're leaking energon. Um, so Robots in Disguise Volume 1 is one of the books that I also read. It actually happens concurrently to More Than Meets the Eye, number one, oh, because Robots in Disguise okay. number one starts with them like mourning the explosion of this ship mm -hmm. and all their buddies aboard. And mm -hmm. in More Than Meets the Eye, we had seen that when the Lost Light ship was leaving Cybertron, that there was an explosion. And so you're in the more than meets the eye series, you were seeing what's happening to that ship now that it's lost contact with Cybertron on their quest to find 
the like lost past of Cybertron. And in Robots in Disguise, you're seeing the political fallout of the Autobots and the Decepticons and the non-affiliated, <laughs> the non-affiliated bots on Cybertron, like after the, the war, the nails, uh, mm-hmm. trying to yeah. make a fragile piece together and politics, politics, politics. And mm-hmm. did Prowl blow up the lost light for political reasons? Who knows? Let's keep reading. Except you can't because you can't get these books anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the problem with changing publishers is that the publishers don't always have a continuity plan in place for getting those books reprinted. I think mm-hmm. one of the like better examples of this ha- of this having a smoother transition is when uh Disney bought Star Wars and they started like getting all the Dark Horse books. Like you can read I think most of the Dark Horse era books on Marvel Unlimited now. Like they had a plan in place to like get those books over. Mm. But properties... is that why? Because you used to be able to get this digitally, and now you can't. Like I, that's the part that made absolutely no sense to me. Well, I get books be- physical being out of print, but digitally, it's like it's a rights thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of trash because it's like like everything that we're talking about, all these books that we're talking about, it's really a crapshoot if you have access to them or not. And I'm really sorry mm-hmm. about that. I'm sorry about that for us. I'm sorry about that for for you, the listeners. Like. I have the first two volumes of More Than Meets the Eye, but I have no way of continuing the series right now yeah. because the library yeah. doesn't have the extra copies. As Kate said, trying to find a physical copy is expensive if they even exist. Uh, there's no like digital way of getting these unless you go the illegal route. And right. it's just like really unfortunate because if you're trying to get into Transformers comics, the short answer is you can't because currently they're all unavailable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 interesting because like one of the books that I read for today, um, like I sat down and I read uh, I read Transformers More Than Meets the Eye Volume One, you know, James Roberts, John Barber um, with Nick Roche and Alex Malina and art colors by Josh Bertram and letters by Sean Lee. And then I also read Transformers Optimus Prime Volume One by John Barber with art by Kizama and Alex Maline, colors by Josh Bertram and Tom B. Long. And like More Than Meets the Eye, I had digital copies of because I bought them on Comixology way back in the day, right? Like this book mm-hmm. club and I was like, blah, blah. It turns out I did have I did buy all 10 volumes or 12 volumes, whatever came out, I think at some point i just went i was like i need to have all of these because i'm going to read all of them but you can't get them anymore so unless you have them already in your account there's just no way to get them which is really unfortunate um optimus prime this book was published in 2017 or 2018 i was able to borrow on comiXology unlimited because there is some idw stuff still available like i think the issue of this whole licensing thing is really funky because some of these books are still available from idw but idw started like a brand new like continuity on their end before this new this skybound stuff happened and they wiped away all of those old comics they just aren't available anymore and they aren't printing them anymore because they don't want to perpetuate like an old continuity i think um which is a little frustrating because we know as readers who have read some of these books like there are some really really good books that came out from idw and it's like I think as readers, we probably should be able to differentiate between what's happening, but like they aren't doing the thing of like having the years or saying this is pre-continuity. I don't know. There's there's like a hard, like no easy way to distinguish like what came before and what came after. Um, So maybe that's why they did it. And I guess like the last thing I'll say here before we have a maybe bigger discussion is I also read Transformers Generation 2 from 1993 and I had to go 
on the dark web to find this mm-hmm. book um, in the sense that it's a Marvel one. Yeah, this is a Marvel book from back in the 90s, um, and it's probably one of the coolest looking comic books I've read in a long time. The art on the inside, Derek Yaniger uh, was uh, an artist, uh, Manny Galan, Andrew Wildman, Jim, Jim Amash, Marie Severin did letters on a lot of these books, Stephen Baskerville did letters. I, I, there's a lot of different people that were working on these books and they're the coolest like overblown 90s looking books ever there's like four words per page because it's just transformers punching and exploding each other they're way more humanoid than than machine looking which is which is fun um because clearly no one had any idea of how they were going to portray these characters because i think if you look at some of the later idw books they're very like mecha like there's they're very blocky very like somebody definitely like 3d modeled all of these characters to make sure that they're drawn the right way but these old ones are just like color explosions and super bright everything um they they remind me a lot of like the doom control art when you look at the metal man in that in those books like he he's just drawn with these crazy unbelievable um just metal pieces and stuff coming out of his head and um i think that's what these older transformers book look look like they're just have this whole 90s aesthetic that super duper works um for for what they were going for which is just here's a super bad villain and the autobots are here to stop them and that's that's pretty much what you get for 24 pages it's awesome but i had to go on to a in a an illegal comic book site in order to read this because there's no way you will ever get this stuff right and I'm of the opinion that if no one's selling it and they're not making it legally viable, then it is totally free reign for me to go get. That is my own personal opinion, but you can take that to the bank. Um, But that's the only way that I was able to read three issues of this book, um, which was a totally different look at Transformers compared to what I think IDW did, which is very more like expanding the universe, growing the characters and have giving them personalities versus just here's a dumb one. Here's Optimus Prime. Uh, Everybody transforms (laughs) and has guns. Um, fight the bad guy that's what these old marvel books were but they're just trying to sell action figures right this yeah. is part mm-hmm. of the the whole we're only putting out a comic book because it's free advertisement for action figures um that's what this you know this time span was. go read the he-man book that i talked about last week on the show goes through all of that but totally different perspective on transformers so i don't know I've tried to get as much diversity in here as possible but it is super duper hard to find any of these comics which is very frustrating yeah my library only had Weirdly enough, the entire like first four volumes of All Hail Megatron, which was a series okay. that came out in, I think, 2010. I think it slightly predates More Than Meets the Eye and Robots in Disguise. And mm-hmm. I read the first volume for the show because I'd never read it before. And it was interesting to read because um, like the robots all looked really good. And the mm-hmm. the people looked very much like the people in the 80s cartoon. So it was like really jarring to okay. see these detailed robots next to like somebody who looked like speed racer essentially (laughs) (laughs) you know but um the premise of all hail megatron is that in the first volume megatron shows up on earth and for reasons that are not fully explained i guess unless you had been reading the comics up till that point the autobots are like totally decimated and like nowhere to be found so the decepticons Mm -hmm. just like steamroller america they just totally take over manhattan they murder like half the people in beijing they take over the west coast american cities like right away and you're seeing like the autobots on cybertron like trying to figure out just like how to keep optimus prime alive because optimus prime is like dying and you don't know why of course and meanwhile back on earth you have the wikis who are like 
military commanders in this series like trying to stop the Decepticons, but you're really kind of seeing how if the Decepticons did invade Earth and there were not an Autobot to counter them, like everyone's dead. Like you are, we are all right. going to die if the Decepticons actually invaded. I can talk about how like cute and funny and adorable I think all these bots are, but at the end of the day, if they actually ap- appeared on Earth, like we're all dead. It's done. Like yeah. that's the apocalypse yeah. right there. So it was kind of interesting to see that contrast like really brought to bear in a book like more than meets the eye and robots in disguise like it's all happening on cybertron there's no humans involved it's just the robots mm-hmm. you're taking them on their own terms and then all hail megatron is like yeah humans are screwed and i was like oh i don't know if i want to end off reading this one i want to read a nicer yeah. robot book <laughs> well no it's, it's it's funny that you bring that up though because i feel like the through line in all of the books that i read with the exception of more than meets the eye at least i guess so the optimus prime book and then the transformers from 93 that i read is uh transformers their whole thing is to like go to planets take them over farm them for materials and then leave right that's like the core thing in the 1993 book is there's like the war is over and uh, optimus prime and his handful of autobots are trying to stop trans other transformers from just taking over planets and killing the the locals so that they can steal the or energon i think it's energon in this book it's or 13 Mm -hmm. later and then the optimus prime book is optimus prime saying hey earth has been this save uh, this this saving grace for some of us. We should bring them into the Transformers Cybertronian Collective so that we can trade weapons and intelligence with them because they deserve it. We've we've decimated their planet and we want to save them. They've been great allies to us. And there's like the, all of this political stuff where Optimus Prime is going against the Cybertronians uh, Council, and he there's like. Uh, G.I. Joe is involved because America, the world is broken up into different things like Cybertron is one united government but um, the the planet of Earth is you know multiple governments so like Optimus is trying to handle how do I deal with all these things and like the whole thing is uh, other Transformers show up at one point and they're like hey aren't we going to take over this planet that's kind of our thing we need to get the Energon from here and Optimus is like no we can't and it's funny to see this through line from all the way back in 1993 that it's still like the same idea but there's just been layers and layers and layers added onto it and even you know obviously all hell Megatron it sounds like that's kind of the same thing um, where they're where they're trying to take over it's just it's funny that this same idea has just been played in over and over and over but like they've just added like more political garbage to it and added G.I. Joe into well, the mix and and stuff. So t- to create more interesting stories, I think. Right. I think that's the goal. Well, All Hail Megatron actually in the first volume, at least, does not reference resources like they make it seem like it's just mm. purely Megatron on a power trip. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so that like doesn't make as much sense. Like in the original 80s cartoon, the whole thing was we're here to get Energon. Like Cybertron mm-hmm. doesn't have we've been at war for so long we don't have resources. So it's a classic like colonial expansion to grab resources from the natives thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I think gets a uh, a little bit a little bit lost like there, there's a little bit of it in all hail megatron in that the autobots who are stranded on cybertron are talking about how they need to find energon so that they can revive optimus prime and power their ships and get off the planet mm-hmm. but there's like no mention of energon on earth between the decepticons you're literally just seeing the decepticons like murder thousands of humans for fun essentially but uh yeah transformers fun. it's all about the economics of conquest yay <laughs> 
<laughs> Spoilers. That's that's what it's always been about. No. Well, well I, okay. but I but I have some questions. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Please. First I was gonna say, all. Kate. I wanted to get to some questions that I know we have about these books. <laughs> the first one that came up for me is I noticed uh, early on in Lost Light, some of these Transformers have what appears to be facial hair, which would imply <laughs> that they have skin. Metal skin. Please, please explain. Well, metal I mean, skin. They. I don't know if it's metal skin so much as like they're robots that can be modded in any way possible, right? Like they can uh-huh. change their appearance by modding themselves. So I imagine facial hair is just like a soldered on piece of metal that they intentionally put on. I don't think they're showing up with a razor and shaving themselves. I've got two thoughts from more than meets the eye volume one that support the claim that there is metal skin and they are just born like that and therefore are just shaving themselves all the time uh, because they're soldiers. And this is part of their military dress code that ultra Magnus is uh, enforcing uh, very forcefully. Uh, So first, first of all, um, (laughs) There's like a comment at one point that the psychologist robot has eyebrows. And so another character is jealous because the psychologist has a greater range of emotional expression. Now, hang on. I need to correct something real quick here. Um, Actually, he is a psychiatrist, okay. which means that there are robot psych meds, like robot Prozac. Yes. Which so- I think opens up a whole new world of story opportunities here. <laughs> So, uh, additionally, in More Than Meets the Eye, Volume 1, one of the characters introduces himself as a metallurgist, and one of the other characters replies like, oh, so like you deal with skin. And so I'm like, ah, so the metallurgist deals with skin because their dermis is made of metallic alloys. Yep. Kind of. Okay. Yeah. So what I did to try and figure this out on my own is I plugged into Google search transformers facial hair and i need to read you guys the list of questions that it suggested that i might also want to look into now that they knew what i was interested in Mm. Uh, number one do transformers have sexes yes are transformers (laughs) non-binary can autobots get pregnant (laughs) yes (laughs) yes why are there no female autobots there are (laughs) incorrect there are and most importantly, why do Transformers have teeth? <laughs> I'm pretty so sure I'm pretty sure a fanfic writer has called them masticators, and if they haven't, they will now. Yeah. yeah. And um, why not have teeth? <laughs> well, because you don't need to chew Energon. Maybe pr- uh, primitive elements of Energon earlier in their development mm. as non-biological mm. extraterrestrials, and then over time, <laughs> Energon. <laughs> Here's the thing. I clicked this and went down a really weird rabbit hole (laughs) no (laughs) what happened and according to the internet the teeth Mm. are used the way that like a cat's tail is in that it's primarily for social expression they are used to show aggression and fear (laughs) (laughs) hold on hold on hold on really quick um Audio okay. listeners, I apologize, but someone show me fear with your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm gonna we'll clip that. I promise. Um, okay. Okay. So it's it's like a tail, uh, but for your face. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're used to display emotion. 
primarily, like a dog okay. wagging its tail, uh, which I will I say, mean, we, not a great comparison on the internet's part because <laughs> tails are largely used for balance, <laughs> but <laughs> still. Then why dogs be wagging them? Yeah, That's exactly. That's true. It is mm-hmm. social signaling of emotion, so... An intent. How come when my cat's angry, she's wagging her tail a lot? I can tell. Those are one-to-one correlated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I think the bigger implication here that we didn't Google and are not talking about yet is why is a life form from a planet far away from Earth that has been advanced enough to be at war with each other for six million years come to Earth and Earthlings look like squishier versions of the Cybertronians? Did an yeah. early delegation mm-hmm. of Cybertronians come to Earth, stir the primordial ooze, and add some DNA or some imaging into the ooze to make us turn out the way we did? Actually, I think I saw that episode of Ancient Aliens, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, they didn't look like us, we look like them. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, they've been around for longer, right? It's true. It's true. Uh, when I pose the can Autobots get pregnant question to our group chat, uh, the first response was a one Kara Shamborsky saying, they can if you search the right tags, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which has haunted me ever since. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, look, <laughs> any, any, any character <laughs> who presents as male... <laughs> in any media, I guarantee has had an Mpreg fan fiction written about them <laughs> oh, where, they beca- where they become How did pregnant. I know this is where this was going? I uh, guarantee I... that exists for every male um, character you can think of. <laughs> so that's I very badly want to bring this back around to the comics. Um, I think the... <laughs> I, I, I want to get to some final thoughts here. I know we've kind of jumped all across the realm of transformers for today's topic and discussion but i am curious like i do have like a a couple final questions here one being i guess kate having just dove into all of this do you think you want you want to read more transformers um either from the pre-idw stuff or maybe this new transformer series i guess based off of all of this has this piqued your interest enough to at least try some more transformers comics yeah, I'm interested in the number one that's coming out. It doesn't really matter if I'm interested in the old stuff because I can't access it. So, you know, uh, that's sure, fun. Sure. But mm. uh, yes, there's there's so many weird, funny things in these things. Like uh, a, somebody gets hurt and they have a cast on their metal leg. I mean, it's just so yeah. goofy. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. then, and then a few pages later it's full game of thrones political drama and intrigue uh, and it's all mashed mm-hmm. together and that is just such a fun experience and it's so sincere while being so goofy at the same time which i think is just peak comics totally yeah i think that transformers is like if you step back from all of this you're like why are these robots having like a royal religious war and then but if you're into it and you really let yourself immerse in the story that's happening it's really really cool right like i think my my big takeaway from a lot of this is there's so much politics and religion and 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 history built into this right like you have a story that's potentially going on for four million years and heavy quotes right um because they keep flashing back and they have a million billion opportunities to just show off different stories across time like the 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 uh, optimus prime book that i read kept flashing back and forth between 
modern day Transformers and four million years ago when Pax Orion, aka uh, he was still uh, Optimus Ryan Prime, Pax? Oh. Orion Pax, excuse me, Orion Pax was a cop, right? And so it's like it, it's interesting that they they have this opportunity to do all of this mm-hmm. and. If you let yourself get immersed into all of the bullshit and say, like, well, who's a good guy? Who's a bad guy? What's black and white? Blah, blah, blah. How do these religious fanatics factor into that? Where are all these neutral Transformers factor in? It's really, really cool and complex, as complex as other, like, sci-fi and fantasy books. And it's about big old fucking robots. Like, that's really, really cool. And then at the same time, you get scenes, like, in uh, what robots in disguise where they're talking about how a citizen changed modes over and over until he died to protest bumblebees provisional government so yeah i don't know like the comics are they're they're bonkers but like they're telling the types of stories i think if you take the idea of robots out and put like any other kind of like political faction, whatever fantasy thing you want in, it's really, really fun and interesting. Um, so like if you let yourself get immersed in it and like lean in on all of the goofiness of like what makes these Transformer characters unique, you can have such a good time with them. Uh, so Kara, I don't know, what are, what are your final thoughts here? I think the question of do you want to read more Transformers comics is a definitive yes, yes. but uh, I want to hear why you're still excited to read Transformers comics. I just really love the characters like it's it's nice that there was coherent plot in a lot of the books that we read but Mm -hmm. I'm in it for the characters that's why I liked reading the fan fiction because the fan fiction focuses on the characters and their interactions Um, so like you know I found out about this new Transformers number one because Nick was in our chat like posting screenshots of the cover reveal that Mm -hmm. that skybound was doing where it's like one at a time the bots were revealed and every time another robot on that cover was revealed i was like oh my god yes (laughs) like i just like more and more bots i was like wheeljack my baby like all of them are my babies because i just Mm -hmm. feel so strongly about them so yeah i'm definitely in it to find out like what happens next and you know maybe write skybound a nice email saying please (laughs) work out something with IDW so we can get these old books. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I'm, I'm definitely in the same boat. Like I, I feel like I love the, the characters as they develop. Like I don't necessarily know them all in the, in my head, but I feel like you get into these pages and you see the dynamics between everybody and you understand like John Barber did a great job in the, in the, um, Optimus Prime book where like every issue opened with like a caption under each of the primary characters that you needed to know basically what their name was and what their current status was and I really really love that right like Optimus Prime constantly like we know who he is but he would always get a caption and each issue was different is like trying to save the world question mark or like (laughs) trying to save his his soul question mark you know like little weird just kind of comments about what was happening in the moment I really like that Um, and I hope that Daniel Warren Johnson in his new book takes a lot like there's so much to mine from and making this ip um and or to pull for this ip but i also think that he's gonna have to take a lot of this and make it his own and if you've ever read a daniel warren johnson book you know that every single one of his books is full of so much heart i have no worries that he's going to make this book really cool and badass from start from the start and it's going to have so much heart you're going to cry by the end of his his run um i think this is going to be a really really fun opportunity for image to tackle an ip and do like a really fun emotional story that's not just robots punching each other um because they picked i think the right person to do that in a way that's going to be super satisfying for i hopefully i think all transformers fans and i think given what we talked about here today 
I think he's the perfect fit for it. So I'm really, really excited about it. I wish image were we got to work together more because I'd love to talk more about this book. So, you know, reach us, reach out. We'll give you a call. You give us a call, something like that. But <laughs> uh, man, I'm super hyped about this because I can't wait to read this new book. Um, I had a, a thought, you know, we were uh, while reading these books. Um, something that struck me was just like how much love there was for the comics medium in these comic books. And I know that feels redundant, but there were a bunch of covers for these Transformers stories, like across series that I was reading that were direct visual references to famous like superhero comic book covers. Like Mm -hmm. the first issue of more than meets the eye is issue one of justice league on international, which totally sets the tone for the same kind of like book that they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the covers for all hail Megatron, like, is the killing joke. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. I remember when that cover came out and I was like, why does this Transformer have a freaking camera in his hand? And then someone did a side-by-side comparison to these two books and I was like, oh, duh. Like, this is yeah, the greatest no. <laughs> like, reference you could make to the most evil, like, uh, Transformer in the in the books. But yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, I definitely appreciated this read-through on a few different levels. Um, I guess my last note about the comics in general is that I'm really sad that we couldn't all read uh, Transformers G.I. Joe because that crossover was just a generally great comic book. And it pains me that mm. none of us had access to it. If you have access to it, good for you. And please take this opportunity to reread it because that book was great. Um, yeah. I am uh, curious you talking though, about the Tom Scioli book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure because, yeah, I well, I really want to get a physical copy of that book. It's so pretty, but I just never got the opportunity. I guarantee you there's no way to get it. Sorry. Yeah, you just got to like bin dive at the next comic convention you go to and hope for the best, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I am curious because I'm the one who came into this episode already like knowing and loving my favorite characters and just getting really hyped when I saw them in the pages of these comics. So since... uh. Mike, you would just come in hot from watching the movies, which are totally different mm-hmm. visually. And Kate kind of came in cold. Were there any characters that you gravitated towards on this read? Because, like, I would give you a top five, but it would quickly morph into a top ten. Like, off the top of my head, like, <laughs> I'm such a star scream. I'm such a star scream girl. I love him so sure. much. He's such a messy bitch. Um, definitely, I'm more of an Autobots fan um i love jazz prowl honestly one of my favorites is perceptor perceptor is like this little nerd autobot who like sometimes does this badass stuff out of nowhere and nobody sees it coming because he's just like the little quiet nerd (laughs) yeah just like oh perceptor my baby wheeljack another nerd he's like the mad genius he's got like albert einstein like frizz out the side of his head but instead of hair it's like a light up little like panels sticking out on the side of his head to like create the same Mm -hmm. effect. So like I was spotting all these characters and more on the pages of what we were on. And I was just like, Oh, they're all so cute. Oh, I love them so much. But um, without coming in with that prejudice already, what did, what did, what did you all think? Kate, let's start with you. My favorites were Starscream and Wheeljack personally. Yeah. From, from the two books that I read, um, Starscream is just, more interesting and that he's not so polar black and white and he's very much like in it for himself and conniving and kind of reminded me of Littlefinger, you know, like he's not really on anybody's side except Starscream's. Yeah. Um, And (laughs) Wheeljack is just fun, mad scientist. Wheeljack is delightful. Wheeljack, I think, is on the cover 
of the new Transformers number one. And so that's the moment when I was like, I'm absolutely buying this book. <laughs> um, I <clears throat> I always have like a, a soft spot for Ratchet um, as a character, just from the more than meets the eye run, just being the doctor on the on the ship and kind of having to deal with everyone's problems um, and just being like, I'm not good at this anymore. I don't know if I should be doing this. And, you know, I, I really like that character. Um, and then in my Optimus Prime book that I read, I really, really liked Soundwave. Like Soundwave being just the way that they, that Barbara wrote this character as being like, I hear all things. I see all things. Like I am like more than any other Transformer. Like he has this very like huge superiority complex that is then paired with like this, weird allegiance to optimus prime that doesn't ever get fleshed out in that book and i think if you read more you start to figure out why Soundwave is working so closely with optimus in the series um because he's kind of playing both sides he's working close with the gi joes he's working close with optimus it's a it's a really cool dynamic that like you get the tip of it in this optimus prime book and i really would like to explore that more if i read more of that series um so yeah those those are those are my go-tos i think i like them so i'll be excited to see who shows up in this new transformers book yeah a new adventure we can all go on before it also goes out of print eventually when the IP changes again 20 years from now. Shh, no, it's, it's forever. Transformers forever and Skybound. Uh, well, I think I think with that, we're going to wrap things up here. Um, this, is a, this is a blast, um, if only to have Transformers in my brain for two and a half weeks straight, more than that, as I was watching Transformers for forever and comic books are just so much. But I guess to wrap things up, I think I want to just say thanks to Kara and, and Kate for, for going through this journey with me. I've been like living and breathing Transformers for a long while now, and uh, this is a great way to, to wrap things up. Uh, next week's show, I'm not going to be here, but Danny, Tia, and Kate are going to be reading Gambit comic books. I, I put together a very special list and a document for them, mm -hmm. um, and because it's my birthday um, coming up, uh, I... I yeah, that's my birthday next week, technically. I'm, I'm looking at the dates wrong. But yeah, it's my birthday. They're going to be reading some Gambit books for me, which is very, very exciting. Um, as always, you can follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast to get updates about what we've got going on, plus special access to things like the Halloween special, Saga of Saga, A Better Batmobile. I think we have a new episode of that coming at the end of this month and so much more. Um, you can follow us on TikTok and Instagram as well if you've got those accounts. And uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music, and we can't thank them enough. Uh, Xander is... <laughs> Xander traveled through the center of a black hole and survived. I think I said this last week, but he's still traveling. Uh, I want to say thank you again to Kate and Kara for this episode. Thank you to Danny for proof listening. Thank you to everyone in Discord for following along live with us today as we uh, went through every Transformers thing we possibly could think of. And until next time, comics are good. And so are you.